Alright, this is Ricky. And this is Brendan. And you're listening to A Gentleman's Disagreement. What I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head. And folks of different minds because even though it did not share the pains we share, that American ideal friends made over arguments in an early morning buzz. Need an early morning buzz. All right, Brendan. So we are approaching the uh, the 10 p.m. hour here on uh, December 29th, getting ready for our last episode of the year. It has been um, certainly an interesting year. Uh, how are we rounding out? Um, how are we rounding out 2021 for our listeners here? I figured there'd be no better way to end what you said correctly has been an interesting year than by trying to run down some of the top, most interesting, noteworthy stories over the course of the year. So uh, both you and I have our lists of like top five stories of the year. We haven't presented them to each other yet. So we'll see, you know, if there's some overlap, I'm sure there will be, but like, it'll be really interesting, I think, to see like where we kind of rank some of the major stories of the year. So that'll be the chief focus of the episode. We'll also take a brief look ahead into what we think might be some of the biggest stories of 2022. Uh, but before we get into all that, and before we get into our sponsor, I just want to thank everyone out there for listening, everyone for all of the support during this year. This is the first full year that we've done the show. Uh, we started back in October of 2020. And so we had kind of really just got um, we just got off the ground, you know, this time last year. And this, you know, this is, this is the first full year doing this and i um, proud of us for having stuck with it for a full year. I don't know that either of us was sure that was going to happen, but um, we got some statistics that I'd love to share with both you and the, the listeners out there. Um, so we did 31 episodes this year. Uh, we had 2000, just over 2000 downloads from 32 different states and 12 different countries. Uh, The top states, fifth was Rhode Island, fourth was California, third was New Hampshire, second was New York, and first predictably was Massachusetts. Um, The top five uh, most downloaded episodes, uh, episode 16, which we released back in uh, February 1st, uh, that was the one where it's entitled the show goes on that's where you went in on wall street that was all like the kind of the, the trading the like the meme stocks and the GameStop and all that stuff so people are like really into that i guess uh our fourth were episode 30 the things we never learned which we released on june 19th and that was a, that was if i say so myself that was a really good episode uh where we kind of reflected on juneteenth and some of the things that we had learned about later in our lives and are still learning about as adults that we just weren't taught and weren't aware of when we were younger. Um, third most listed episode was the one we did about the Afghanistan pullout with um, Marine Corps Captain Colin Murphy, or another really, I think, one of our strongest episodes uh, and you know, worth a listen to. Second most downloaded episode was the one we did, episode 20, Voting Rights and GOP Fights. We did that with um, Vince Cordelessa. Uh, a little surprised that that was so downloaded, but I, I do think like voting rights is one of those things that uh, we'll, we'll probably talk more about voting rights later. So I'll just leave it at that. And then uh, our number one, by far our most downloaded episode this year was episode 26. We did policing in the United States with two guests. We had um, Salome Cassini and Rocco Alexis. Um, 
one of the episodes I'm probably you know most proud of. Uh, I, I think that was a thought-provoking episode with different sides of what policing and justice in, in the United States, you know, kind of, we try to cover as many angles as we could with that episode. So those are the top five most downloaded one that I, that didn't get included because we had to release it twice due to an error, editing error error was uh, the presidential draft you and I did with our friends, Joe Webster and Ding Gonzalez, uh, which was probably the most fun episode. I think we, we did this year. So if you, if you haven't listened to that one and you want more of just like a, you have more just like history and laughs, that, that would be one to go listen to. So I know, Ricky, this is the first time you're hearing some of these stats, too. So uh, any reactions to all that? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, we've said this multiple times that we would we would do this just to just to hear ourselves talk. And as a nice record of what we're thinking about and, and how we're digesting all the things that are, are happening. But it has um, certainly been humbling that we've got friends and and um and other f- folks that are interested in in some of the things that we have to say and we're hopeful um that you know these episodes have been um at least gotten gotten some people thinking about things that they maybe hadn't considered in the past i know in recording them i certainly always uh i i feel that way and and it's part of my joy and my pleasure in doing this is is really making sure I'm I'm testing my beliefs always um, and and trying to understand how other people are ingesting the same sets of um, same sets of information uh, and I think you know the other piece of it is a testament to uh, the guests that we've had. That, that you've been able to bring on. And, and certainly as we look to 2022, um, anyone out there who, who feels they have an expertise on a specific subject that we might not have covered or know someone um, who, who is an expert in a specific subject that, that they'd like us to cover, um, you know, the, the notes that we get on Instagram or through email or via text uh, are really motivation to keep us, you know, recording it. I think Brennan and I would have these conversations no matter what, but, um, to put it in a nice little podcast form, it it really helps, um, to hear that others are, uh, are listening. (laughs) Yeah. Just to echo all of that again, couldn't thank people enough to, yeah, like you said, to like when people reach out and want to like continue the conversation, that's just, it's like, so rewarding and fun to know. I mean, anytime people listen, it's great, but like we get, you know, I see these numbers and it's like, Oh, X number of downloads for an episode. And that's like really, really cool. But it's even cooler once someone, you know, shoots us a message, like you said, on Instagram or via text. And it's like, Oh, this point you said, I actually kind of disagree with that. Or I want to build off that. Or I think you, you know, we're slightly off here. Is some additional information you maybe hadn't seen before or considered like from this angle. And that that's like you said, is, is really cool. And I guess like along those lines, um, like things, people have been so supportive, but if there are things that you wanted to do in this new year to continue to support us, uh, I think the biggest thing, honestly, is just like word of mouth of like passing this along. And maybe it's not the whole show, but maybe it's just an episode that you think someone would be interested in. Like we just rattled off our top five and those were like very different episodes. You know, we're talking about Wall Street and race relations and voting rights in Afghanistan and policing, right? Like we don't need, you know, we don't expect people to listen. It's great if we have people to listen to every episode, but you know, to pass it along to someone be like, Hey, give these guys a listen. Um, I know we've had friends that have, you know, post like or reposted us on Instagram or even followed us on Instagram at, at, you know, 
a underscore gentleman's underscore disagreement. We started a Facebook page just in the last um, couple months that we're trying to kind of get up and running. So you can throw us a follow a gentleman's disagreement on Facebook or, you know, a, f- a few of our friends have left. If you listen on Apple podcasts, you can leave like a review um, or uh, like rate us like five stars and stuff. And so, you know, we, we understand that it's a lot of like friends and family members that are listening and you guys are already doing us a big enough favor by just listening at all. But if you are interested in, in like helping us grow in, in 2022 and, you know, our, our hope is to keep growing this a little bit, like this first year, again, is still kind of finding our footing and our voices and the format that works best. Um, and all those like kind of tweaking around the edges. But if we want to keep growing it, we're going to need a lot of um, help and support even more than we've already gotten. So um, if you're interested, those are some of the things you can do. And you're always welcome to reach out to us really with any like ideas, suggestions, guests, like Ricky said, like a- any of those things are like, we're always like really looking to prefer for, fee- for feedback in general. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. I guess like the one final thank you that we need to deliver is to the guys over at Cannon Hill Wood. Um, so they, uh, they've been sponsoring the podcast all year and it's a small thing and, but it's also a big thing um, that, that they've reached out and been supportive of us and what we're trying to do. And uh, you know, if, if we can be supportive of them at all, and if you are someone that's, you probably know if you listen to the show that, um, they've been making tables and desks, handcrafted high-end tables and desks here in Boston since 2018. I know they've had like a really good year too, where like they've continued to get more business. And so it's like, it's cool to have like the, the one sponsor and it's like kind of supporting partner that we have here is also like a, a small business that just started recently and that's trying to grow their business. You know, it feels kind of almost like people helping people. And so uh, like, if you are someone that's interested in like a, a really high end uh, table or desk, you should reach out to the guys over at Cannon Hill Wood. You can check them out at Instagram um, or uh, online at www.cannonhillwood.com. So a huge shout out and thanks to those guys for all the support this year too. All right. So without uh, further ado, let's, um, let's get into it. Top five news events or stories from 2021 starting with number five no starting with honorable mentions <laughs> let's talk about some of those stories right. that, that don't make the list okay don't make the list that stories that i like when i sat down to think about this list i was like that came to the top of my mind but when i actually went to rank them i didn't think for me were in the top five so i'm gonna list some some things here you stop me if you want to touch on them at all, or maybe if you have them, maybe they're in your top five and we'll talk about them later. All well, right, but- maybe, maybe I'll stop you right there just to ask you, because we didn't really talk. We, we did say we we're going to do top five, like 2021 year in review, but what was your selection criteria? Was it historical significance? Are we thinking about just kind of the biggest stories that got the most traction? Um, how are you setting about making this list? I guess kind of a combination of the things that you said. I think the first thing that I thought of is like, all right, this is the end of 2021. As I sit down and try to do this exercise, what are some of the first things that come to mind? Because I think that those are the things that come to mind first tend to probably be the stories that mattered the most or got the most past coverage or, you know, as we sit down every week to try to do this, like what are some of the things that we keep coming up and talking about? Uh, And then also like historically, I definitely consider like, as we look back on 2021, what are going to be some of the things that people point to as 
like that's the year that happened or like how, how would you define the year? So I think a combination of those things, because there's probably one or two things in my list that people like won't think of for 2021, but I think really mattered in their year versus, and there's also some things on my list where maybe didn't matter as much over the course of the whole year. But I think as people look back, that'll be one of the events they point to. So um, combination of that, is there anything else like you'd add for your criteria? No, I think I followed it. Um, a similar, I, I think I try probably tried to think a little bit more about like, you know, can I point to seminal moments where if someone's writing a history book of the, you know, the, the early part of the, the, uh, of the, you know, 20 of year, you know, from 2000 to 2020, what would they kind of include? Or maybe 2000 to 2030 as, <laughs> as we're into this decade, um, what would they include and how would they kind of weave it into the story of kind of, you know, I don't know, societal progress here, predominantly here in the U S but, but, but globally as well. And, and um, kind of point to, you know, this sort of set off uh, a reaction down the road or, or, you know, a lot of, yeah, how, how we think about things today are, are because of, certain things that happened. I think I struggled a little bit because 2021 in many ways felt like it blurred into 2020 a lot, you know, for a number of reasons with COVID of course. Um, and like, what is time even anymore? Cause I, yeah, I get out of my bed and I go to my, uh, other bedroom and sit there, <laughs> you know, so it, they're like the, the general dividers of time that I've, always relied on actually i don't know i was going to ask you this does i mean as a as someone in a as a student someone who kind of is going through that progression that i have always kind of relied on to reset my internal clock with um has has have you felt sort of the same way about um about 2021 definitely i think because of some of the stuff you said in terms of like the news cycle that 2020 bled into 2021 so much but it's also just like you know like between the lockdown it's just really trying to place yourself almost like since covid started it's really trying to place yourself kind of within that like where what was i doing for these couple of months at that time was i you know like what were the kind of the restrictions on on that like that's that's been the defining thing more than even like i think school years have been but I would agree. And maybe, maybe some of that is just us getting a little older too, but it's been harder. I think for me to think, did that happen this year or 2020 or 2019? Like the last couple of years have been how all blurred together in, in some ways more so than I felt have felt like that in the past. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am always, uh, I think as some things change, some things stay the same. I'm always getting us off track. So we'll try and re- reel it back in. And, and what are, what are some of the things that you had considered for the list, but uh, didn't end up making it? Sure. Um, so one thing I have five. So one of them was the mental health of athletes and how that became more of a story this year. And so two athletes in particular that I know that we talked about was, was the United States gymnast, Simone Biles, I um, mean, her struggles um, with some mental health issues um, at the uh, Japanese Tokyo Olympics this summer and Naomi Osaka, the Japanese American uh, tennis pro who also quite visibly and, and publicly dealt with some mental health issues. And I mean, I think those were, those were the two first two athletes that came into my mind. And obviously they're both young women, uh, women of color. So I think 
those some of the things that we had talked about, but just maybe the broadening um, awareness and advocacy of of athletes who are openly struggling with mental health issues was something I thought when I thought back in this year was something that came to my mind. Yeah, uh, that that's definitely a big one. We've seen that transition over to the NFL too. Like I think uh, Calvin Ridley uh, for the uh, wide receiver has yeah. yeah. sort of sat out in that that typical you know, athletes being, you know, part of their skill is being, is having that mental toughness, but to understand that, you know, things on the court and things off the court still impact people because people are human. Um, yeah, I think it's, I, I, I definitely think it's something people will, will look back on in terms of how we think about athletes and athletics, um, moving forward. So I hadn't thought of that for mine, uh, but another one that we kind of touched on, so maybe I won't dive too into it uh, through through one of our previous episodes was um, what happened with GameStop and kind of also with with some of the crypto stuff and Bitcoin and and, and Dogecoin, um, just kind of the way that I th- I think maybe twenty twenty one will sort of kick off like a a shift a bit in terms of who uh, or sort of where financial power is concentrated. And and we talked about it a little bit in the episode that it wasn't potentially as much of a democratization of the stock market as people from the outside may have been hoping that it was. And, and, and some of like the David versus Goliath stories were maybe not unfolding the way people, uh, you know, the way the story was kind of uh, alluding to. But at the same time, I think there is um, there's something to be said for that being, uh, I don't know, some something to watch for. It's like it's one of those things that may turn out to be nothing, but but could could definitely be be something also. Yeah, not, not not something I had on my list, but is definitely, you know, it was definitely huge. And looking at even like the, our episode downloads and our like clips that we like, on Instagram we got like a ton of traction. So definitely something that people are like interested in out there. All right, um, something else I had were just like employment here in the United States. So at the beginning of 2021, there was huge worries about unemployment um, and there was a number of measures passed obviously to supplement people's unemployment insurance um, and then over the course of the summer there were concerns about like not enough workers and how like a lot of retail you know people in like the hospitality industry in particular were able to you know work to get better like wages and better working conditions and benefits because there was such a shortage of workers and quite honestly we're still seeing a little bit of like a shortage of workers and so I just thought I don't think that's one of the things that people are going to look back on but I do think that like when we see those like 50 year like historic trends of like workers and things like it's going to be a crazy like spike over the last two years here where it's like huge unemployment and all of a sudden a shortage of workers all happening within six months which has led to such like a you know the instability in the economy that we've talked about all year yeah I think I think that's a great one. Something related to that, uh, no spoilers, will make it on my list um, of five. But um, I think it really just underscores just the challenges that policymakers have as they're trying to intuit sort of, all right, 
X is happening. Therefore, we think, you know, Y is going to be the problem, right? We have this virus that's potentially keeping people home and we're going to have massive unemployment. So we need to do everything we can to help people kind of smooth that over. And, and all of a sudden we see, all right, well, people don't, aren't scrambling to get back to work. And what, what does that mean um, for, for the labor economy? you know, now we may have overcorrected and we've sent the problem in a different direction. And that is constantly happening. And and this was just one of those moments in time where you really see it come to a fore. Yeah. Uh, I think along those lines, another one that I had was inflation. Do you, do you have that later? I don't, I don't have uh, inflation uh, per se. Well, I think that's just another thing is when we talk about like historic inflation highs, like we immediately, we mentioned this maybe last week on the podcast, like when was the last time it had it happened, like late eighties. And you immediately were like, Oh, do you know what was happening in the late eighties? Right. I feel like if there's, you know, something, and that's probably inevitable that infl- inflation will spike in 20, 30, 40 years, like, Oh, that's the highest since 2021. And someone's going to be sitting there and be like, well, you remember what happened in 2021? Oh yeah. That was coming out of the COVID spike. And there was like supply chain issues and, and worker shortages. And so, uh, I think that was kind of a one of the dominating like news stories throughout the year. Like it, it cropped up in the spring and the Biden administration and most people were kind of like, hey, this is transitory. And then it came out in December that November had hit the 40 year high on inflation. So kind of along with employment, I was thinking of those things as something that's kind of been almost like omnipresent throughout the year of, of one of those things that like I feel like I hadn't heard about inflation in many, many years. And all of a sudden it was very much back in the news this year. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, I will have something related to that. Um, another story that I don't think we really ever talked about, and I don't know that, um, I don't know that, that folks will really point to it as, as sort of the start of something, but, but maybe they will, um, SpaceX, uh, the first kind of non NASA, (laughs) yeah, um, we just kind of having commercial space travel uh, or successful piloting of, of commercial space travel. I'm not even really sure what to call it, but um, yeah, that's, that is, uh, is, is very different from any type of space program that we've ever had in the past. And I think time just named Elon Musk, their person of the year. And, but he wasn't, you know, the only one, kind of doing this, this stuff, Bezos and Richard Branson. And, uh, you know, it speaks to uh, so many different things like the pet projects of these, the, the ultra rich, but also kind of, is this, is this really the new frontier? Are we like actually starting to realize this possibility now? So there's a, there's a, a lot to unpack there. I admittedly don't know a ton about it, but, um, certainly something that, probably an honorable mention worthy yeah i think that that's a really good one that i didn't really think of at all but now that you mentioned i'm like oh yeah because at this point it's it's wildly you know still like out of <laughs> like out of reach for the, like the vast overwhelming majority of like there is population to do something like that but it's like a, a tiny step more in reach than it was before that like private citizens now have the ability to go and of course you need to be ultra 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 wealthy to even consider something like this 
but that's different than what we had coming into this year. And like, I would say with many of like the really new inventions over, you know, since the industrial revolution, you know, cars were not ubiquitous at first, you know, like, you know, plane tickets were not ubiquitous at first, but all of a sudden, like, as that technology continues to develop and more and more people and companies start to have it, it becomes a little more in reach for more people. I think that's kind of a cool thing. And you can say what you want about the Musks and Bezos and Bransons of the world for sure. But I do think that's kind of a cool thing that's on the horizon for us. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's, uh, it's definitely something. (laughs) Yeah. I had, I really only had one other um and it's it was kind of a cheat which is probably why i left it off of my list but um if you recall in february of last year we had this massive ice storm in texas that uh knocked out power in in one of the most energy rich places probably on the planet episode 19 the weather messed with texas go go (laughs) give it a listen all right uh, wow, right off the right off the top of the dome there. That's good. Um, but you know, that being such an unusual event, um, combined with sort of a renewed push for the US to to, to take some like meaning more meaningful action on climate change, the most recent COP26. Um it's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like a, it's like an ever present danger, but it's not here today, but we're, you know, we're, we feel, uh, we we're feeling some of the effects, whether it's, uh, 116 degrees in Portland in the summer, uh, in Portland, Oregon in the summer, or, you know, minus 20 in or, you know, minus whatever it was in Texas in, in February, like things that, uh, just seem wildly out of place and are having some real consequences for the people that live in those places, but also uh, just kind of our general, our general way of living. So it, it's, I mean, it's happening year after year. We've got hurricanes and we've got things, but I definitely wanted to, to call out that as, as um, yeah, as, as something that, that, I, that I will not soon kind of forget about 2021 yeah another good one i mean we could add to that like the recent tornadoes through the midwest and kentucky and wildfires in california right it's just as as you kind of said these 100 year storms now seem to be happening you know multiple times a year which um and i think it probably unfortunately it's not in my top it wasn't even my honorable mention and it barely made your honorable mention you know i think that's like kind of the danger of what we've talked about with climate change is it's always a priority but it's never like the priority and yeah that's kind of scary yeah all right uh, i got two quick ones here hopefully quick ones um and maybe either one of these might be on your list anyway and we can put it off um but the the voting rights discussion um so that's something that obviously has i didn't feel like it was top five because i don't think it's dominated the news cycle in the way my top five have but it's also been one of those undercurrents of what's happening throughout the country where a number of states have passed what you could say is more restrictive, uh, you know, voting laws um, on for for various reasons, many of like which were rea- in reaction to the 2020 election and the allegations of fraud that were existing um, in that election. And there's obviously been pushback at, from mainly from the left um, by the administration, arguing that like we need more uh, focus on 
make sure we have like a, a voting rights baseline for all Americans, no matter which states you lived in. Um, and so that, that's something that maybe we'll see more of in 2021, but I, I mean, 2022, I think that's another one of those things where I think a lot of people have been slightly disappointed with the Biden administration that it hasn't been more of a focus, but it's, it's, it's something that we kind of anticipated coming out of 2020 and will probably be more in the news in 2022 as we start to get towards like the midterms in, in those elections and see how all of the new voting laws affect some of those elections. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a good one. I had considered that, um, along with kind of a number of other, uh, new legal measures, but I think we'll see, or we'll get a little bit more resolution in terms of like how the Supreme court's going to rule on some of these things in 2022. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm leaving them for next year, but it's definitely one of those things. Yeah. In terms of how, uh, (laughs) all these events don't, don't, aren't necessarily restricted, uh, by the calendar year. So it was hard to, hard to kind of pick and choose. For sure. Last thing I'll say is, and this was mainly, I think it's one of the things we said in 2021, uh, 2020, when we look back at stuff from last year, but with the inauguration did take place in January, the historic inauguration of the nation's oldest uh, president and the nation's first female and uh, minority vice president. And so I, I do think one of those things, like definitely historically, like maybe we don't pinpoint, you know, inauguration day of, of 2021 as like a dominating story of this year. But historically, I think I do think that's one of the things people will look back on and say, like, this this was a, a big deal. Yeah, definitely. So maybe that is the spot that we'll take a, a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll actually jump into the top five. So. <laughs> this long teaser. <laughs> Those people that were just dying for the top five and thought they were getting it right off the bat. Nope. <laughs> now, now you've listened to 25 minutes of us. <laughs> thought you were going to get in and out of here in 10 minutes, but no chance. All right. Without further ado, for real this time, <laughs> Ricky, number five, what do you got? Um, all right. So I, for my number five, um, I have the conviction of Derek Chauvin. Uh, the police officer was convicted. Um, actually, is it intentional manslaughter? I forget exactly what the, the charge is were is not exactly homicide but it was up there received a sentence of 22 and a half years um this was i want to say like april or may um of 2021 kind of the culmination of a full year um since the uh, uh since the death of george floyd um and yeah i i had a lot of trouble deciding where how like how to order my list because it's really the you know none of these events kind of are related to each other in many ways um but i i slotted that one in at number five sure i have that at number four um and i I kind of looped those in with the convictions of the men that were uh 
that were convicted of killing Ahmaud Arbery and the police officer that was convicted of killing Dante Wright that we just talked about recently, where coming out of 2020, obviously in the beginning of 2021, which is where um, Ahmaud Arbery and, and Dante Wright were killed, there was, of course, this widespread outrage that this continued to exist in, in the United States and fears that we would go go down the same the same road that we've gone down many times. And I think that's when we had um, Ollie Starnes on um, early last year to talk about exactly that, where it's like we have these brief moment, like flashes of, of outrage when, you know, a, a black man is killed, a black person is killed by law enforcement and then everyone like demands change. But then it just, as, as time goes on, you know, that outrage fades and change doesn't happen. And while I think a lot of people would be right to say that not enough change has happened, over the last year, you know, one of the the signature like police reform bill couldn't, you know, the parties couldn't get together on it um, in the Senate, and uh, there was the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act that passed the House but didn't even get a vote in the Senate, uh, and so like I think for a lot of people could rightly say that like not enough has been done to reform our criminal justice system. This is something that you and I have talked about repeatedly throughout the year. Where look the officer that killed George Floyd was held accountable. The, the people that killed him on Arbery were held accountable. The officer that shot Dante Wright was held accountable. And I know that there are many, many other examples of um, citizens of all races and genders that are um, killed by law enforcement every day that never make the news. But it, it felt like for these instances, at least, there was progress being made and like there was a, a modicum, a step towards more accountability in our policing criminal justice system, which is is definitely, I think, a big deal and something to be celebrated. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that's right. I feel like I put it down at five or near the bottom of the list because I think, as you were saying, it kind of remains to be seen where we go from here. Um, I think we talked about this, you know, when it happened that these stories get, and, and rightly so, like they really shock the conscience Um, But they get the most press. But in reality, as horrible as they are, they're still a very small fraction of kind of the breadth of injustice that that, you know, we have from, you know, small incidents of, of racial profiling, like all the way to, you know, issues with our public defender system. Like there are all kinds of things that we need to focus on. Um, and these cases, while they shed light on something that is, you know, egregious, they don't necessarily address kind of the, the broader problem that affects kind of society as a whole. So this is one of those things where, where we'll really have to see like how, how deep are we willing to go? Is it that, all right, you know, Derek Chauvin and, and, um, and these other, officers or, or the men in Georgia are, are, are uh, scapegoats that we say that we've dealt with the problem now. Now we can hold people like this accountable or do we continue to find ways to improve uh, and to improve our, our system? Yeah. Uh, well said. I mean, I think I read a stat the other day that said on, on average, three American citizens are being killed by police every single day. And that hadn't changed year over year from 2020 or 2019 and we should caveat all of that where like there's a million different situations that are being happened it's not always police misconduct there are many reasons why you know people could potentially be shot and killed by police officers or 
killed by police officers another way. Um, but it would be naive to think that there wasn't more instances where police officers are acting um, excessively or inappropriately. Um, I think, it would, like I said, it would be naive to think that all, you know, three a day, you know, a thousand a year, the police officers are always acting um, as, as they should be. So, yeah, I think it's, it's for me, like, being happy with progress, but not satisfied with it. And I think that's right of you to say like, all right, that's, you know, hopefully this, maybe, maybe this time next year, we're able to sit here and not have to, you know, lament the deaths of George Floyd and Maude Arbery and Dante Wright, but we could be like, oh, look at this major bill that Congress has passed to address some inequalities in criminal justice. Not going to hold my breath on it, but potentially. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let me give my number five. Um, My number five is, the 50-50 Senate and the emergence of Joe Manchin as like the power player in American politics on your list. That's, that's a good one. That did not, uh, that did not make my list. Um, but certainly, yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that it, it didn't feel like an event. Another one of those things is kind of just pervaded all of 2021, but, um, is, I think perfect and uh, encapsulating of kind of what an odd year 2021 is that a, a, a Senator from the small state of West Virginia could kind of dominate the course of uh, politics for the past, uh, for the past year. Right. It was just one of those things where that this was one of the ones I was thinking of when I said at the beginning of the episode, I don't know that anyone historically is going to look back and like, point to mansion or anything but i think if if we did like if we transcribed our podcast from like the 31 episodes we did this year and just did like a word count like a word cloud of like who's coming up the most i, I would argue he might have come up the, the most like his his name might be the one that we had mentioned the most and we knew coming into this year that it was going to be a really interesting like delicate you know we haven't seen a 50 50 senate in a number of years and there was, you know, you didn't know how it was going to work. We didn't know if the progressives on the left were going to be the ones like the Sanders is and the Warrens is going to like be the ones that were holding the Biden agenda back. And what it turned out, it was Manchin and Cinema, um, but particularly Manchin, that was the one that became like the, you know, the power broker in Washington. And so for me, I, I just like, I couldn't talk about politics this year and looking back at like the things that we talked about, it just felt like if not every week episode, every other episode, it was... <laughs> see what Manchin did this week. <laughs> like, and so, I mean, it was, just, I think it was, for me, it's a story that um, dominated a lot of the year. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't get, make my list, but, um, and stop me if it made yours, but wasn't this special election in, in Georgia that, that had Warnock and Ossoff win? Wasn't that, was that at the beginning of 21 or was that at the end of 2020? I feel like it might've been January. But I could be off on that. But if, if <laughs> yeah, unclear. We may have to may have to fact check that. But if that was in 2021, in many ways, that that's sort of like the catalyst for for everything that you know the most unlikely of events where two Democrats get elected um, to the Senate from the state of Georgia. I think. Uh, would, would merit consideration for the list, but I had actually conveniently forgot about that. Um, so we hit on your number four, my number four, I think we can, we can cut through quickly um, because it does kind of touch on as I was, uh, as, as my attempts at not spoiling my spoiler 
um, sort of the inflation and the supply chain issues, the, uh, the shipping container that got stuck in the Suez Canal in March, I, wanna, <laughs> I think just, just very, uh, was like the perfect image of what kind of happened um, on the supply side of thing to our economy. Like everything just kind of got stuck and we didn't know what to do about it. That, that particular container took six days, six or seven days to get dislodged. But uh, you know, we, we saw further news stories about ports in California and just um, generally this well-oiled global economy that kind of hums along and you go on Amazon and buy something and it may ship from China and arrive at your, you know, your door within uh, a matter of days, or, you know, maybe manufactured in China, but arrive at your door in a matter of days, all of a sudden started to fall apart. And, uh, you know, for labor shortages, for a number of different reasons, but um, I think in many ways it's sobering, like the instant gratification that we've become used to was no longer there. And it really started to like freak people out. Um, and I, you know, that may say something about what we deem to be necessities these days versus, uh, you know, how people would think about <laughs> uh, our standard of living compared to where it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago or something like that. So uh, definitely something that, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And then we'll also see how this plays out with an inflation. Is it is it going to be, as some are calling it, transitory or um, now as the Fed is sort of more leaning towards, is it is it here to stay? Yeah, if there was like a picture that could have summed up 2021, like that would have been right up there of, the, of that huge tanker just stuck in the Suez Canal. Like like you said, it's all of this stuff that you never imagined could happen and all of a sudden was happening like, economically and all the stuff that you never have to think of, all of a sudden we were forced to think of. So yeah, I think that's a, I kind of addressed that in some of my honorable mention things, but I think that's a fair thing to put there. All right, so we'll slide past your number four because it was my number four. So does that put us on, or my number five, does that put us on your number three? Yeah, I'm curious if we have the same top three. So um, for me, number three was the Pelota in of United States troops in Afghanistan. So that will be my number two. Uh, why? Yeah, we got them both in the top three. I, I think, I, I just reposted this clip on our Instagram from Colin today and in, in like kind of reflecting on on it, uh, it was it it was kind of it's I mean it's disastrous at the time. And, and while you know we had a, we had talked about back in April when Biden announced that we was he was pulling all of the, the remaining United States troops out, we celebrated that for sure. And I don't think that that makes us disingenuous or that we like flip-flopped on anything to say that we were, we had celebrated finally being able to bring all of our troops out of Afghanistan and out of, out of, you know, out of these conflicts, these forever wars that we had been in for two decades at this point, while also noting that the way it was conducted was disastrous and um, cost like a lot of human life, unfortunately, uh, not only in some of the terrorist attacks that happened during the, the rushed pullout, but with the Taliban back in power, some of the crackdown on, on rights, particularly on women's rights. And we know, as Colin so like, you know, almost like heartbreakingly put, is that we had 
promised, we had made promises to a lot of individuals and a lot of families who had helped the United States and helped us over these last two decades. And we put all of those people in harm's way. And while, you know, knock on wood, many of them were able to escape and we were able to get many of them to safe locations and hopefully many of them relocated um, into the United States and their families. The unfortunate reality is that there are many people whose, whose names and stories will never know that suffered because of, of the, the poor execution of, of the pull out our troops. So um, I think it's, it's a huge, it was a huge story this year. I think that's the point where, you know, if we just look at United States politics, Biden's poll numbers took a, a huge hit, like his approval rating, where he was steadily hovering above 50 percent for the first eight months of his presidency. That was the, a, a big hit to him here in the United States. But also, again, as Colin touched on, like if we are to, you know, hope, you know we hope this doesn't happen. But, you know, if we are to go to war somewhere else in the world, whether it's in Taiwan or in Ukraine or some other place that we can't even fathom right now. I, I think it's going to be real hard, whether it's the people there or our allies that we want to support us after, after what we did um, leaving Afghanistan. Yeah. I mean, definitely a, a hit to our credibility and kind of what it means to make a, a promise um, on the on the world stage, and I mean, you can you could argue that uh, that unfortunately there has been a lot of that going on, just in kind of the way that we've been forced to govern because we can't get very much out of our legislative bodies. We're doing a lot of things by executive order, which just means that. When one president leaves, the next one comes in and undoes uh, and undoes a lot of that. And and of course, here is yeah, just another one of those striking examples. Albeit, you know, having a, a different level of severity in the consequences, but I think has the same um, or a similar effect in that people who once counted on promises from the u.s no longer count on those um being fulfilled and that that's definitely um uh that's definitely disappointing and and a little bit yeah it's a little bit it feels a little bit more like politics of the age although it that also may be painting sort of historical diplomatic relations with a little bit more of like a rosy picture, but it, it did feel like there was a time when somebody's word meant something and that the word of an American president was kind of the voice of America. And we could rely on that, whether it was, you know, right or wrong to, to, to sort of stand. And then we, you know, it's, it's one of those things that like, as long as everyone knows what the rules are and the rules are kind of the same, um, sometimes it doesn't even matter if those rules are like right or wrong. It's just that everyone kind of approaches a situation with that framework. And when all of a sudden the framework is now malleable, then, then all bets are off and we've got a lot. Uh, and then, yeah. And then it just gets, it gets, it gets a lot trickier. And then of course you can no longer, we've talked about this before. It's, it's harder to hold other people to standards that you yourself um, 
and and you know the royal you here as the United States is not willing to uh, adhere adhere to. So um, it's it's tough, but but you know on the flip side, I think we we can can potentially look at this moment as a shifting in um, in American policy. Like this was a forever war, and hopefully you know, there were some lessons learned that you know, the shock and awe campaigns of you can just kind of bomb your way in and out of any problem, um, that those, those myths will be dispelled a bit. And we'll, we'll think a little bit harder about what we want to achieve in, through armed conflict and what, what is actually possible to achieve through armed conflict. Yeah. Like I said, the, the disastrous, actual execution of the pulling out overshadowed what what was generally a good thing and generally what most Americans wanted was which was to end these wars and bring our troops home safely and so yeah I think you just hope that we do draw lessons from both how we got into and how we got out of these wars it's all you can really hope for (laughs) for sure all right what do you got at three so this one is another one that like I put it at three, but it almost could have been an honorable mention. I think yesterday or today we crossed a new record for daily cases um, of COVID infections in the United States, like 400,000 plus or something. Um, Just like wild. Um, And it, it's a, it's definitely sobering to realize that like, you know, we were going into 2021, we had these two vaccines on the horizon with like incredible uh, rates of efficacy that you, you know, you just never had hoped or dreamed before. And then through a combination of not being able to get everyone here vaccinated, obviously vaccines, even though at the 90% level, we're not going to be a hundred percent effective, then, you know, furthermore not being able to get the rest of the world vaccinated or or vaccinated with with quality vaccines um we're now we've been talking about the the greek alphabet a lot we're now on the omicron variant um which although it seems a little less uh severe in terms of the symptoms that it's producing is seems to be doubly transmissible and um, resistant to vaccines in terms of who is turning up positive and and likely able to spread the virus. So um, yeah, it's, it's almost unimaginable that like, while at the same time we're talking about SpaceX doing uh, exploration of space that, uh, that a virus like this, that, you know, when we thought, thought of things like the Spanish flu or maybe TB in the earlier parts of the 20th century were like well behind us that it could still bring an advanced kind of global economy to its knees and also is not abiding by any calendar years in terms of like, all right, we had it in 2020. We're good now. It, it seems like it'll be well with us in, uh, in 2022. So I felt like it had to make my list. I don't really know where I was going to stick it. I just put it up there. <laughs> I had number one. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that's the defining year. I think if you had to like look back on this year, it's, it's a COVID year. And I think that's both rings true here at the end of 2021. And I think it's going to ring true in a decade or two decades. I think um, more than anything else, I think those, that's the thing that's going to resonate. Uh, People probably unfortunately will forget um, that Joe about Joe Manchin and they'll forget about the weather knocking out the power grid in Texas and they'll forget about um, you know, probably Ahmad Arbery and Dante Wright and maybe even George Floyd. But I think people won't forget that this was another year in which every part of their life was impacted by COVID. And as you point out, the year started with like incredible progress that we had record setting vaccines, like the fastest vaccines ever produced against a disease like this. And that, you know, for people here in the United States, we were able to get two vaccinations by or by before summer. And we were able to get a booster shot before winter. I mean, not that everyone did, but like we, they were available to us. And like that literally like tens of hundreds of millions of people in the world have been vaccinated within two years of the discovery of, of this disease is incredible. And so there's like so much almost like celebrate with like how we're fighting this disease. And obviously, of course, like the United States has passed, I think, 800,000 deaths and is like on pace to, to get to a million early next year. And, you know, we're still wearing masks every day in, you know, school and when we go to the supermarket and, and, um, and we still can't see some of our like loved ones as much as we want to, or you have to worry about flying around or what you're going to do for New Year's or if you can get together with your family. And it's just like, and prices are higher because in supply chains messed up. I think like, yeah, for me, it's, the, it's the number one story of the year. And I, I hope and pray that when we do this next year, that that it is, it is not on my list and certainly not number one. But for me, like looking back on this year and, and thinking how people will look ahead to it, I think this will still be a year defined by COVID. I think that's totally fair. So my, uh, my two was your three. My three was your one. So what does that leave us with? What's your two? My two is should be your one unless we are wildly off base. What's your number one? It's going to be the the January the events of January sixth, a new day. To yeah. Live. Yeah. All right. Well, the, uh, credit to us, Ricky. Like we, I had said before this episode started, I was like, "Do you want to go over them before?" And you're like, "No, nah, let's just do it and see where it is." So we we did ultimately have the same top three events, which I think signals to me maybe this is just like group think or at least like a partner think that like. <laughs> Hey, what were the top three stories? We had them, but I think that probably also speaks. They, they were the top three stories. So why don't you go ahead and start up with um, the events of January 6th. It's your top story of the year. Why is it your top story? It was by, it was my number two story of the year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I probably slotted it ahead of, of, of COVID because I pro- probably would have had, did we do this last year? I don't know. Had we done this last year, I would have had COVID definitely as my top story of 2020. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with, with all the reasons that you outlined it as your number one. I had, um, I had the January 6th events as my, um, as my, as my top kind of event or, or sort of most, I don't know if important is the right word, um, impactful, perhaps, is, is really just like the most unimaginable thing for me uh, as someone who I think one of the things that 
I celebrate the most about American democracy is that one in general, we have very sound election processes. Um, some of the rules I disagree with, with the electoral college and whatever, but whatever the rules are what they are. And, um, in general, we, we follow them. Um, and in, and what happened on January 6th and, and it, again, it was something also perpetrated by a relatively small group of people, but the, sort of the narrative around it, the fact that it wasn't like universally condemned, the fact that we kind of are where we are, January 6th was really like a culmination of a lot of things over the past four, maybe even eight years. Um, but it really put into sort of stark relief, like where we are, in terms of like a national like consciousness about our political system and how two sets of people who live in the same country and, and oftentimes in very close quarters uh, can start to think completely different things about how the world works, how the world is working, what is, what is real and what is not. And that is like a monumental challenge to try and move forward on. Um, and there was like no better example of, of that than, than January 6th. I don't think anything like put that into, um, I mean, there were, there were like tons of sort of crazy things that were happening leading up into that event but nothing that was so uh, maybe visceral is like the right word. Nothing that like just felt like that. Yeah. I think it's the most shocking, scariest, saddest event of the year. Um, And I don't think that's like hyperbole to use those superlatives. Uh, And maybe people would be like, Hey, you were naive not to see something like that coming. It had been brewing for, you know, six weeks, six months, six years. I don't know. Uh, like we, we, I was looking back at this actually, we, we released an episode January 5th last year and it was titled untitled uh, not going quietly. And we discussed how Trump and his supporters were contesting the election, um, maybe predictably, but maybe a little more vigorously than he had anticipated. And then obviously, but we never anticipated anything like the, the storming of our capital, the, our elected leaders, having to to flee the, their chambers to to lock doors and barricade doors and in, in, in fear for their lives in some cases um, obviously like the tragic shooting of of that woman Ashley Babbitt um, several other people died that day whether just with like heart conditions or heart attacks or uh, just everything that happened in the crowd uh, yeah but of course it's, it's one of those days like you I distinctly remember where I was and what I was doing. And I can't imagine forgetting that anytime soon. I'm just you kind of hearing it and getting some alerts in your phones. And then eventually I sat and like watched the television and just like, kind of like mouth agape. Like, like yeah, there was like nothing to say, right. It's just like taking took like pictures and videos of the TV being like, I, I almost have to like capture this on my own because I don't believe that this is happening. 
that like here in the United States, like people are scaling the walls of the U.S. Capitol to go in and do do what? I don't I don't know to overturn the election, to threaten, intimidate elected officials. Uh, it's yeah, it was unfathomable to me. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's one of those things that kind of hits both criteria for me of like my categories of it, of like looking back on 2020 is one of the first things that jumps to my mind. And also I think in the future, 10, 20 years from now, people will point to this day as a very dark day in the United States history. And I think kind of like those attitudes I used off the top and that you were saying where it's like, it's scary and sad in the sense that like COVID and everything that's happened with it is also scary and sad, of course. And like the death is on a far bigger scale. And the fact that you can't point to COVID, like it just kind of, it mutates and transmits itself. And it's, it's, you know, that that's scary, but it also feels like we know how to fight it, right? Like we know that we can develop vaccines and that you can get vaccinated and that you can like wear masks and you can socially distance and you can do things to kind of protect yourself and your family. And also feels like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. That light may not be in six weeks or six months, but it's at some point, I think most people believe that we're going to be beyond this pandemic in terms of it affecting our lives on a day-to-day basis. But like you, I think you said it really well, like, the division of people just seeing things, the same event, two totally different ways. Um, that's not something that I think is, is easily solvable. That's not necessarily something that is hopeful as I am, that I can see a light at the end of the tunnel for that, because that, that feels insurmountable in ways that like, it feels almost crazy to say that like, that it feels insurmountable in ways that like this disease is not. Yeah, I think that is, perfectly put and i guess that is you know the task at hand yeah with covid and with supply chain issues and with everything else that's that's going on but that is like in order for us 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 royal we to do the things that i think we're like capable of and and i've sort of said this before to kind of live up to some of the ideals in our constitution and sort of the declaration of independence, like our philosophy of what it means to be people, free people, but people who live in a society that has to like function together. Yeah. We're going to have to figure out a way to, to like get back to some type of common understanding. That doesn't mean really agreement or consensus on a lot of things, but there are just like some core facts that we need to be able to get straight so we can have like reasonable discussions and debates. And um, unfortunately it feels like a lot of, we lament, uh, you know, some of the shortcomings of the political system make that even more challenging. I think one of the things that was even almost even more shocking than the events of the day were how quickly people were able to 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 explain it away in a way that was either downplaying the severity or um or pointing blame in different directions or or really like i think there was like a moment on the right of fear, like, oh shit, we maybe we went a little too far and now like everyone's gonna be like, whoa, 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 
but instead it just further entrenched people on their different sides. And now you just had different people interpreting the events differently. And it was like, this shouldn't be up for interpretation. Like this really cuts the core of what a free democracy is that you have free elections and people accept the results and then you move on. And if your candidate lost, you go to the next one. Um, or, or, you know, you spend the four years like fighting this candidate, but what, whatever you do, you do it within the, the bounds of, of society's like rules for how you can engage on these things. And that not being able to just come together to be like, this was not right. <laughs> was, was a little bit, um, I think makes the challenge all the, all the more what it is, but, uh, nonetheless, yeah, I think as we look into 2022, and uh, maybe this is a good little transition for some predictions for next year, but I think we'll be hearing a lot more from the House uh, January 6th investigation, um, and they've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes over the course of this year, but I think one of their goals for 2022 is to do a lot more public hearings and to try to tell the story of that day, things that still you and I and the general public don't know about that day from beginning to end and do it in as a, a public transparent way as possible and to produce a report on that day before the midterm elections. And as you probably sadly predicted, like that's that report is going to be viewed far differently and uh, uh, held up as you know, as the, the actual truth of the day and also discredited as absolute fabrication of the day, unfortunately, which, but uh, I do think that's something that it's, it's not done. Like hopefully we will be hearing a lot more about how such an event was allowed and able to transpire in the next year. Yeah. I mean, with that, what are, what are some of the things in, in 22 that you are, uh, you're sort of, circling on the uh on the calendar here um so i mean i think some of the things are things that we had already mentioned but like as you correctly pointed out off the top like time calendars are just like human inventions and some of these like uh <laughs> factors whether they're health wise or economic wise like uh are not things that start and stop in certain years so i mean i think covid will continue to dominate the short term and hopefully not the long term but whether it's you know new vaccines or new boosters or new mandates or new variants, I just can't imagine that going away anytime in the near future. I think inflation will be another thing to keep watching. If if inflation stays high, what moves does you know the Biden administration make? How does if inflation stays high, how does that affect you know the, the poll numbers? How does it affect people's day to day lives? Um, I mentioned the January sixth commission already. I think looking for news out of there will be significant. Um, the midterms, I think, will obviously dominate 2022 as people gearing up for the traditional backlash against the party in power. And will there be a red wave? If so, how, how big will that wave be? And what will that do to certain you know, priorities of the Biden administration? Um, I think the biggest thing for me looking forward to 2022 is to look at the Supreme Court, because I think they, as we as we mentioned this year, they've got both guns and abortion on their document on their docket, which is maybe 1A and 1B in terms of like most divisive issues in like uh, the the cult socio kind of cultural things like here and like the cultural wars, I guess you could call them. But 
in certainly how the Supreme Court is viewed, how political it is viewed, uh, whether Breyer retires, whether, you know, all, all of these things. But I, I think not everything will pale in comparison to the rulings that the Supreme Court makes on guns and abortion in 2022. Yeah, uh, those. Uh, yeah, I'd say the Supreme Court um, would be my number one thing to keep an eye on in in twenty twenty two. This was, this is sort of the day that that kind of the the right who who basically made an alliance with Trump have been waiting for his Supreme Court nominations to be able to to hear some of these cases. Um, uh, particularly on the on the on the Roe v. Wade question, which feels like we've already got an indication on which way um, the court is rule is leaning, um, it will be interesting because it is almost the opposite of the conservative ethos in that it would be a major shakeup of the status quo, right? Like we've had Roe v. Wade now for for forty ish years. Um, there have been a lot of cases and laws and precedents set based on that. And, you, you know, we'll certainly hear arguments about whether or not it should have ever been put in place or was ever the court's place to do something like that. But a lot of time has passed uh, since it it has de facto been the law of the land. And so now we're, we're looking um, at a court that could potentially potentially undo a lot of that. And, you know, we've already seen the laws that have crept up in, in Texas, in, uh, I want to say Missouri, um, that are, yeah, pretending a, a very different future for, uh, women's healthcare, um, then, then we've sort of become accustomed to, um, so we'll, certainly be keeping an eye on that and and uh i look forward to having that discussion at some point we most assuredly will litigate a lot of what ricky just said <laughs> over the course of several episodes in 2022 but we, we've got we've drawn on long enough and if you've listened this long uh we appreciate you both for listening to this episode and for all of the support over the course of 2021 we will we will see you next year oh that is that is true Happy New Year, everyone. We'll see you. We stay up all night on Garner Avenue Debating all the issues of the day No agenda, not yet Talking heads Running around till we forget Where it was we began Some mornings you were away Some morning left your ego bruised But what I wouldn't give For the hope I used to find In a case of lion's hands And folks of different minds Because even though it did not share as we share that American ideal Friends made over arguments In an early morning buzz Need an early morning buzz Learn the hard way But to those who would die upon that hill Quiet truth is better 
in the rain. Somewhere along the line, we seem to have forgotten the value sometimes being wrong. Some mornings you away, the morning lets your ego bruise, but what I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head. And folks of different minds, because though we didn't share, Opinions we share like American ideal Friends made over arguments in an early morning bus I need an early morning bus There's hope behind the bluster Cause the old Main Street may not sell It's full of folks just like you and me When we have trouble seeing The human for the politics Trying to find a better way to disagree Some days you win Some days you'll leave your ego through But what I wouldn't give For the hope I used to find And change the lion's head And folks are different mind Because though we did not share Opinions we share on that American ideal Friends made over arguments and an early morning bus, oh, what I wouldn't give for the hope I used to find in a case of lion's head. Folks are different minds because though we did not share opinions, we share that American ideal. Friends made over arguments in an early morning bus. I need an early morning bus.